Hi, welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy of Kids Views. I'm here today with Amy Ostan of Amy Ever After. Hi. Hi, Amy. And Andrea Smith, our technology guru extraordinaire. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, Amy. Hi. Hi. Um, today on the show, the three of us actually were together. <laughs> this is <laughs> shocking. Um, in person, we attended a Lego education event this past week because they were introducing a new product called Spike Prime, which is the newest addition to the Lego education product line, which is meant for teachers to use in the classroom. And this is one of the first products they've designed specifically for middle school students, which is part of what made it so fascinating. Um, And it's a whole new way, I think, of looking at and building with Lego robotics on a different level that is more STEAM based rather than STEM based. And I think for our audience, we should probably define STEAM and STEM. I think people are familiar with STEM, which is science, technology, engineering, math. STEAM takes STEM and inserts the A for arts. Um, And I kind of think this is what educators have been actually, this is what they've been pushing all along is STEAM because it's hard to have quote unquote STEM without creativity. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And that's where the A comes in. So I think STEM was always a a little bit of a misnomer, but Lego has fully embraced this idea of STEAM because they want kids not just to sit with their headphones on learning how to code, but they want them to code, get creative, think out of the box, take these basic lessons, grow from there, use colors, use sounds, use sights, use humor, um, use storytelling to sort of bring technology to life. Also collaborate, which is such an important skill for kids to learn today. I think it is. I mean, I think that's the core of um, most Lego education products like Mindstorm, which some people, I think that's what they're familiar with when they think of Lego education. They think of Mindstorm. They think of the robotics teams that a lot of schools have. Yeah. If if you have a kid who does um, first Lego league, they're using the Lego Mindstorm, which is um, it's a really cool product. But I, I, I've never heard of it being used in the classroom. Right. I mean, I think there are some teachers, but they would still do it as a major project. It's really an after-school club most of the time. Right. Yeah. It's the kind of thing that if you buy it as a parent, you're like, oh, what did I just do? This really needs to be with people who know what they're doing as a club. (laughs) that's the thing. Um, My son was really into robotics. Both of my kids were on robotics teams in elementary school. So when my son was in fifth grade and on the team, we thought getting him the, like, what is it, $550 Mindstorm set was a great Christmas present. And it barely got touched. I mean, I should probably just sell it and keep the money and he'll never know it's missing. Um, <laughs> so it's, you know, it's it's not the kind of thing that I think really works alone. Like you need to collaborate with a bunch of other teammates. Or Yeah. And this new product, the Spike Prime, you know, I think what was interesting when we saw it, first of all, there were a range of ages of people there. There were a few kids, but it was mostly adults. Um, and everyone could do it like it was the least intimidating mm-hmm. you know quote unquote robotics coding thing you can imagine um which i thought one of the you know most interesting things of their presentation yesterday was that they had all these great stats around kids and education and kids and learning and one of the stats that i thought was so sad but 
every parent knows firsthand and every teacher knows is that three out of four teachers said anxiety and lack of confidence hindered learning. Mm -hmm. And fewer than one fifth of students are confident in learning STEAM subjects. So when you combine those two things that somehow coding seems intimidating and robotics seems like something only the geeks do and or, you know, maybe people think it's only boys or people think it's only a certain kind of kid. I think that the joy of this product is that it's like cute and funny like you're building like a breakdancing man you know <laughs> well Rebecca you weren't even there in the beginning um it, in the very beginning of the program we were all given little tins that each had six lego pieces and we all had the same pieces and we were told to build a duck and that might seem easy and it's only six pieces wait and, and one of the pieces had eyes drawn one on of the pieces yes. had yes. eyes. it's funny and they were two different colors at first i thought it like oh i can make a centaur because it, it only had is that the thing with one eye no what what am i thinking that's of? a cyclops cyclops I, I was thinking i can make a cyclops it only has one eye and there's like oh the eyes on the other side okay so now i know how this piece goes and that was like the only piece that i knew what to do with suddenly i turned into somebody who didn't know what a duck looked like <laughs> and when I was, and I, I did several tries, like Andrea can tell you by the end of the minute or whatever we had, I was like frantically taking pieces off and trying to put them back together to make it look like anything close to a duck. And it, no matter what I did, it looked like a Loch Ness monster. But that's okay. That's your duck. <laughs> well, but here's what happened. My experience was I looked at this and they said, make a duck. And I, I was like a middle school girl. I was like, I can't make a duck. I don't know how to make a duck. I'll never make this properly. You know, I had that complete lack of confidence in my ability. It was so scary. And I just looked at these pieces. You know, they were yellow and red. And the red one had the eye on it, I think. And mine looked like a perfect Fudgy the Whale. <laughs> Andrew was just thinking about ice cream cake. That's yeah. what happened. Just... Well, there's a lesson for you because I started out totally overconfident, as I usually do. And she started out thinking there's no way I can do this. And neither one of us made a credible duck. So, yeah. But I will tell you that the kid sitting next to me made a perfect duck. Yeah, the woman in front of me too. Hers looked totally like a duck. <laughs> so it was so fascinating because... 200 people there, 200 different ducks, right? And none of them are really wrong because right. the whole exercise was, hey, you know, figure it out, see what you think. If you don't like it, undo it and do it again. Mine was wrong. I'm just going to say that. Mine was wrong. Mine Everybody was totally else's wrong. were awesome. And I have a great picture of like their examples of ducks. And it's true. Like it's only six pieces, but you can put it together in a zillion different ways to make things that look like ducks. But anyway, so I just thought that that was, that was a neat little way to start because number one, it showed that if you're all doing it together, I felt less, less self-conscious because like I was focusing on mine and nobody else was looking at mine. Um, and it's- I was. <laughs> Looking at mine or looking at everybody else's? I was else's? like that girl of, okay, what is Amy doing? What is this guy doing? How do you do this? <laughs> well, I was I was just focused on mine. And then also, like, it was really fun to then, like, compare with everybody else around us how we did and just to see all the different possibilities from six little pieces. Well, that's the whole point, right? I mean, that's supposed to be the point of Lego. It's part of why... Um, all of the like Lego Star Wars, like I know kids love building those sets and there is a skill and, you know, an important way to learn how to follow a plan. That's, that is certainly an important thing when you're learning sort of building and engineering, like 
But my thought about those kits was always that it really hindered imagination. And that's why when kids then built it, like, I mean, I had a friend whose entire, all her windowsills had these stupid Lego things on them because once her kid built the Death Star, like, what are you supposed to do with it? Just tear it apart and be like, start again. So, you know, I think there's a place for that. We're like basically like model building and that's really cool. But Legos were originally intended to be totally free form and spontaneous and, and, you know, endless possibilities. And I kind of, what I kind of liked about the thing we saw yesterday was even though there are definite tasks for each of the different possible spike prime things, right? There was like breakdancing dude and there were a few different ones. Um, there was the thing that crawled on the floor <laughs> and other different tasks. Cause obviously when you're coding, you do need a goal um, to know if your code worked, <laughs> But um, I think what's interesting is they said that there were then all these ways to branch off from that initial build. So that once the kid learns how to do the breakdancing man, what they've really learned is how to build this very articulated figure where you're going to have to code arms and legs and a head, you know, things like that. Um, And now you take that and, and you run with it. And we should say the coding is drag and drop. It's scratch. Um, which kids may already be familiar with, particularly if they've been played with Wonder Workshop or I think Ozabot, right? Like there's a lot of toys that use this drag and drop programming agent, but they say they are introducing Python um, later. There'll be an iteration with Python, which is real hardcore coding. Like if your kid's ready to move up to that next level of really plugging in their code and not drag and drop, they will be able to do that too. I thought that was so cool that they said they were going to introduce that. Yeah, me too. So because we were at that event, we actually have an interview with Marianne Bach from Lego Education, and she was the product lead on this, and she has a whole bunch of insights into what Lego is hoping to achieve with this product and how parents can help get it into their schools. It's that that's something you're interested in. I know they have a Lego grant program. So for people who are thinking, my school will never get this, this is too expensive, um, it's worth looking into. It is something a PTA can help fund or something at the very least you can bring information to the powers that be at your school and maybe help them write a grant to get it. So take a listen and let us know if your kids are into super robotics um, or they love Legos or any of the above. My name is Mayenne Nutovbak, and I'm a product team lead at Lego Education. So how did you start with Lego Education? What's your background? I have an MBA, so a Master in Business Administration, and I um, used to work in retail, and then I saw this position at Lego Education, and I totally fell in love with the purpose. So the purpose of engaging every uh, child to succeed. Also, I think maybe because I come from a family where my my dad used to be a, a director at a school and my sister is a teacher. So I've been living in this teaching world uh, all my life and uh, it really appealed to me. I felt that there was it, there was a bigger purpose to it and that was what attracted me. So it seems from the product, is this the first middle school product? We, uh, we also have uh, Lego Education Mindstorms, which is another middle school product that we have. What was interesting to me about this product is that it is so classroom focused. I think a lot of time Mindstorm is very so almost um, club focused, like a lot of people in the United States, it's an after school club, it's robotics, people opt in. This seemed like something that any teacher could start to incorporate into their classroom. 
And that has also been the design criteria. We wanted to develop something that was really easy and uncomplicated for the teachers because we know that teachers are really challenged today. They have to, um, there's a lot of requirements and especially in middle schools because they have to take the students to the exams. Um, so they really have to deliver uh, and they only have 45 minute sessions to do that. Um, so we wanted to make something that would also set them up for success. Um, and yeah, that's what I really like about this product as well. Do you, so many teachers today have technology coming into the classrooms and a lot of their concern is they don't know how to use it well enough to teach it. So what's Lego's approach to that to help teachers understand how to teach coding and confidence to their students? So that's um, what this product is all about. It is just as much for the students as for the teachers, because sometimes it's actually the teacher who finds it intim more intimidating than the students, right? And uh, also teachers are becoming more and more facilitators in the classroom. Uh, <clears throat> so they have to also accept that they don't always have the right answer. So what we have done is that we have, uh, so we have the full app and we have lesson plans for, uh, for all our lessons. And they, uh, they come with um, steps to how, so for the full flow in the lesson, there's a video that shows you what is it that uh, will actually happen in this lesson. We have uh, coding tips. We have uh, building tips for the teacher. We're never leaving them alone. There's always a, an example solution also for our open-ended lessons. We have uh, tips to how do you differentiate, that's also important in the classroom, how do you make it a little bit easier or how do you really challenge the students. We have um, ideas to how you can extend it into math or language because we again know that everybody has to deliver uh, on that. Um, yeah, uh, then it's uh, linked to national standards and we even have actually career opportunities. What are the careers that students could pursue if they really like this lesson? And that was actually one of my questions. So you've designed this, your colleague said, you know, to teach kids coding and to teach them that it's not about coming up with the right thing, that it's okay to fail. And that just feels like so empowering for today's kids for the jobs that they will have that may not even be invented yet, those positions. How are you using this to teach kids the skills they need for the jobs that they'll face? So I think we do that in a number of different ways. So first of all, by combining the physical and the digital, they get a hands-on STEAM learning experience and we know that they retain uh, better what they learn. And we also uh, always encourage them to work in groups so we don't uh, only encourage them all our lessons are built uh, <clears throat> for working groups so that they also develop their 21st century skills like communication, creativity and critical thinking. And critical thinking is the most important part in middle school. So you could say in preschool, you, you, what, what you should be is to be curious about life. What is it all about? And then uh, in you start in elementary and you have to start fitting into a structure and you learn basic stuff. And then in middle school, what you do is that you start to relate to what you've learned. And that's the critical thinking that we really want to foster. You know, we talk, it used to always be STEM, right? STEM, STEM, STEM. And now we're hearing STEAM. Yes. Where is the A, which is art, in this? Like, where do you guys see um, this product really embracing STEAM rather than just STEM? 
I think is actually the A has always been in everything we've been doing because uh, there is a lot of arts in uh, in just building with Lego in the storytelling around Lego. We have added uh, minifigures into the set this time to enable the storytelling. We have added more colorful elements as well. Uh, we have the connection between the Technic bricks and the system bricks again to allow for more playfulness. And then in our lessons, we are also building the the whole A part in or the communication in, uh, so that we make sure that they get that trained as well. And so, how can parents try to bring this to their schools? I think they can uh, work through the PTAs um, and. Um, Yes, encourage the teachers to take this uh, this on. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe they could do the dog exercise. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I'm wondering too, because um, when we see these products, they're so wonderful, and often the first thing I think of is these products will unfortunately only go to the schools that already have sort of these passionate, interested teachers. Mm. How can we get these products into schools where you know they have? books that are 20 years old, where they're just trying to get through the day, where they probably need it the most. Um, are, is there a way for people through grants or through their school? Like what, what can parents do to advocate to try to bring more of this to their schools? Yeah, so I think we work at, uh, at different levels. We also work with districts uh, and the advantage is that then it gets out to a wider number of schools and it's not only the schools where they have a teacher that's already loving this. Um, and I think... Uh, with this new product, it will also be even uh, more easy because it's easier to take on and actually implement into the school as well. Um, in the US, our sales team, uh, they are always looking out for how they can help with advice on grants. And actually, if you follow us on Facebook as well, we are uh, often ex uh, announcing, ah, this grant is, uh, is here, or so helping also... Um, Parents to look out for opportunities to uh, to take legal education products into the classroom. If a kid has a particular fondness for this or really just shines and, and comes alive in this and they only get maybe one or two days a week at school to do this, is there a consumer home equivalent that a parent can look at from Lego that would be, you know, obviously not doing the same thing but similar? So Lego Education Spark Prime was developed for the classroom and with the, the teachers and the students in mind. Having said that, it is uh, also a product that can be used for many other uh, purposes. And it will be available for sale on our website, legoeducation.com. And what age group is that for? It's for 11 to 14 year olds. But of course, anybody can use it. It is <laughs> like that with Lego. So you need to have... Uh, you need to have some motor skills, of course, so um, we can't take it totally down in age, but I think it can grow with you, right? So uh, I wouldn't stop uh, at 14. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of older older kids who like it, too. Um, well, based on the ducks that we made today with our Legos, I definitely need some practice. <laughs> So I'm so interested in how you targeted middle school and taking away this stigma. And Rebecca always talks about how while her kids have an interest in coding and technology, they don't want to be in that girls who code geeky class after school because they don't want to be labeled a geek. So um, I'm fascinated by the way you envision this coming into the classroom and not making it geeky, making it fun and collaborative and a learning experience. 
Yeah, I think um, when I so when I started in legal education, I worked in early learning in the beginning, and what we saw was that uh, when you ask a boy to build a bridge, he will build a bridge. If you ask a girl to build a bridge, you'll probably ask why. Uh, and then if you instead say, well, there's a river and there's a cat on the other side of the river, could you rescue that cat? Then she would definitely build a bridge. So, so that's kind of the thinking that we've put into this. It's not just about coding, it's about coding with a purpose. So, uh, and a meaningful purpose for that age group. So that's why when, for instance, we have, uh, I don't know if you've seen the creation that we call rain or shine. It reacts to weather data. So if it's uh, sunny, it puts on the sunglasses, and if it's raining, it, uh, it, <laughs> it opens up the umbrella, or it puts up the, uh, holds up the umbrella. And I just remember when I was a middle schooler, I woke up, now I live in Denmark, but I woke up every morning and the first thing I would do is, was to look at the weather. What, is the, what am I wearing today, right? Uh, can I put on my skirt? Or, yeah. And it's, it's of course, because it was Denmark and the weather is, is changing all the time, but this is about making it personally relevant, something that they can relate to. Not everybody wants to go to the moon and build a spaceship or something like that. For some students, some students like that, but others like something that is closer to them. And we wanted to make sure that the coding part is integrated into our everyday lives. And I think also when the focus is on the classroom and not on an after-school club, I think that helps the stigma because everyone is doing it. You don't have to self-identify as a geek. It's just what everyone's doing. Exactly. And uh, so again, you did the dog exercise this morning. Our approach to learning is also there's, no, there's not one right answer. There are many right answers. We pose a challenge, you come up with an answer, and there could be um, good answers coming from all different uh, sides. And that again is what creates confidence. Uh, it, uh, yeah, so it, it stimulates the, the, the student's confidence and the belief in, I can do this. And then they start telling them, uh, challenging themselves even more. Um, and then we are already on the path to building their confidence in, in STEAM learning. We will be right back with our Bites of the Week. We are back with our Bites of the Week. Amy, what do you have? Okay, so I have two, but one is super quick. Um, because when Andrew and I recorded an episode from CES, we talked about Formaggio, which was a home cheese-making machine. It's like a small appliance that sits on your counter and makes cheese, like all different kinds of cheeses. And when we talked about it, it wasn't anywhere yet. Like they were just showing, but it wasn't um, available to order. It is now on Kickstarter. I was one of the first backers because of course. <laughs> I need this thing. Um, so I wrote a post about it and we'll link to that so that if you're crazy about cheese like I am or just crazy, um, you can order one. I They're not going to be delivered for at least a year, so you're not going to have this thing soon, but you can save a lot of money off of the eventual price if you order one now on Kickstarter. Don't you kind of feel like it's like those homebrew kits? Like it is such an art to make cheese like people spend their entire lives families have generations like and it has to be aged and the humidity and that like i don't know everyone's just gonna end up with ricotta 
<laughs> well, you know, it's funny because I've tried to make cheese before. And like ricotta is easy. Other ones, you know, I, I made something decent, but I didn't enjoy the process. I thought it would be like making bread where I just enjoy the process. And I don't. It's just too, it's too much like keeping track of temperatures and watching it. And I, so I'm hoping that this thing, I can just dump in all the ingredients and a couple hours later have my cheese. So you have to play music to it. Did you see that article? I did see that article about, well, it was like rap or hip hop that produced the best cheese, right? It was like gangster rap. It was really hardcore rap. That's like they had people in blind taste tests and everybody agreed that the one that had been played gangster rap had the best taste. (laughs) I love it. So yeah. So anyway, so that's, that's one. But the other one was an article that I read that I just thought was a really great idea. Um, So you know how much waste there is from like catering companies and businesses and schools. And this article was about a school district in Indiana and a nonprofit group called Cultivate. And what Cultivate does is it comes into the, the schools in the district twice a week And it takes all of the unserved food. Now, this is not food that's been like put out for the kids. This is where they just made too much food and didn't even serve it that day. And this company takes all of that unserved food and they package it up into frozen meals. And then at the end of the week, 20 kids in this pilot program for this, for, for, I think, is it per school or maybe the whole program? I don't know, but um, 20 kids get a special backpack that has eight frozen meals because these are kids who were going home for the weekend and because they didn't have their school food, they just didn't have much to eat over the weekend. So now they get these frozen meals. And oh, I love that. Isn't that great? I mean, it's just such a great solution to a huge problem, but two problems, the food waste and the hungry kids. My friend in um, Kentucky and Louisville, that's a huge initiative of the public, um, all the PTAs and stuff is they've always done ba- Friday backpacks of food. Um, this is like a better idea because I guess it's frozen. They would do mm-hmm. ready, but there was just an enormous amount of kids who don't get a meal all weekend. Yeah. New York City does a thing in the summer, you know, when kids aren't mm-hmm. going to school in the summer and they're not getting getting their school food, you can go to playgrounds and, and different places and pick up your meal during the summer. So it's, it's a, I mean, you know, the very fact that when kids aren't in school, they're not eating is just disgusting yeah beyond shameful so you know i'm glad some groups are are trying to do something to help that sad that they have to do it andrea okay on that note (laughs) (laughs) um mine is um so i found a new podcast that i'm listening to and i found it because uh vogue writer and friend of the podcast michelle ruiz wrote a great article about uh, author Nora McInerney. Um, she has a new book out called No Happy Endings. And I was reading her article and saw that she has a podcast. And it's called Terrible Thanks for Asking, which is basically what a lot of us want to say every time someone says, how are you? And you're oh. like, I'm fine. Everything's great. And it's not really, it's not depressing. It's just that she's an incredible, incredible storyteller. And so basically her thing is, you know, you say fine so everyone can go on with their day, but you really, really want to just say, hey, things are kind of crappy. And so she has this podcast really telling stories about people's pain or just human emotion 
or events. And so the first episode that I listened to was called Their Day. And it's basically the story of two families who went to two different temples, one a reform and one a more orthodox um, temple in Pittsburgh on the day of the Tree of Life shootings. Mm. And one of those temples was having a bar mitzvah and the other one was having a baby naming. And she spoke to both of those families and kind of just recounted the event of what was happening in their life at the same time as they were getting notice that there was a shooter out there in a temple. And her storytelling is magnificent. It's just a wonderful example of a, a fabulous podcast. And um, so I've started listening. And they're not, you know, they're not sad and depressing, but they're just really interesting little vignettes of humanity. So it's mm. called Terrible. Thanks for asking. I love that. Um, okay, so my bite this week is an article that I read in the New York Times. Um, it's an op-ed called Stop Asking Kids What They Want to Be When They Grow Up. <laughs> and it's written um, by, he's a regular uh, guest writer, Adam Grant. I think he's like a psychologist at Penn. It is so great. It's about how when we keep asking kids that, we're basically, they don't really have an answer, right? And then adults are always like disappointed if a kid doesn't say anything. And then everything becomes focused on that. And if your kid just says like, a mommy, a daddy, everyone's sort of like, eh. um, <laughs> and, and he said, when we ask kids those questions, we are always focusing on work as that work is what's going to be what defines you. And people kind of hang on to this. And it's a fabulous article because he actually goes into the research and um, all of the analysis about people, if they're actually this whole myth that you have to like find your passion and then the money will follow and, and like how that's all a bunch of nonsense um, and that people don't need to be defined by their work and they can have all these other things that add passion and happiness to their lives and that, you know, asking them what they want to be leads them to sort of look for career identities that they never really wanted to have um, because it does persist, right? You ask little kids what they want to be to grow up and it's like hilarious when they're like a fireman, an astronaut. You're like, ha ha. But as they get older, you keep asking kids those questions. Um, like, what do you want to study? What do you like? You know, and so it just becomes as if that's what's the most important thing to them. So it's a really great article. It's a whole way to think about framing those questions to your kids um, or having other people frame those questions to your kids, but also a different way to have your kids think about their future rather than trying to continually figure out what they quote unquote want to be um, instead of maybe the type of person they should be. Um, so it's, I highly recommend it. And that is it. That is our show for today. Thanks, ladies. Thank you. You can find links to everything we talked about today on ParentingBytes.com and on our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash ParentingBytes. You can listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts, basically, at this point. I feel like we're everywhere. But we please <laughs> rate, review, subscribe, and share. And then we'd love to hear from you. Please talk to us on our Facebook page. Uh, one of us will always answer or feel free to comment on the podcasts themselves. We'd love to know what you guys think. And we'd love to know if you have any show ideas, any pressing questions you have. Until next week, happy parenting. See you next week.